Hey nomads, welcome to Digital Nomad Stories, the podcast. My name is Anne Klaassen and together with my co-host Kendra Hasse, we interview digital nomads. Why? Because we want to share stories of how they did it. We talk about remote work, online business, location independency, freelancing, travel, and of course, the digital nomad lifestyle. Do you want to know more about us and access all previous episodes? Visit digitalnomadstories.co. All right, let's go into today's episode. Hey, nomads, welcome to a new episode of Digital Nomad Stories. I'm here today with Maya Mazur, and she is a digital nomad, of course, and um, she does a lot of outdoors sports, which made her the co-founder of Ravity, a platform for, what is it, like outdoor sports lovers? I think Maya can tell you a lot more about it. So welcome to the show, Maya. And can you also maybe introduce yourself and Ravity to us? Because I just did a horrible job doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, hello, Anne and everyone. I am super excited to be here. Uh, I think it's a great podcast. And yeah, it's incredible to be able to tell my story, share a bit more about adventure, outdoors and Ravity. And yeah, and just get on with it. Well, Ravity, as you said, quite rightly, it is a community, effectively. It's an, it's an app, but at its core, it is a community for uh, outdoorsy people. So people who love uh, spending time in a more active way. You know, if, if you'd rather be in a hike or a surf session than uh, having beers in a pub, then Brevity is probably for you. And uh, without any surprises, we are targeting digital nomads uh, because that's I think that you know most nomads love adventure and love exploring, and I think there's just a really nice match between outdoors and remote work. Yeah, absolutely. And you are the co-founder of Ravity, right? Can you tell a little bit more about how you, like, how and why you started it? Yeah, absolutely. So it uh, it was born during lockdown, uh, like many other ideas, and at the time. Me and my partner, we were working remotely from Gran Canaria and we were having on one hand a really, really, you know, amazing life, especially that we've just escaped from London, from all the lockdowns, you know, darkness and rain in November. And we were doing a lot of stuff. So, you know, I love horse riding, I love windsurfing and kite surfing, and I'd always kind of make a point of doing that after work. But what we found quite quickly was that it was actually quite hard to find other people to do it with. And I didn't really want to go kite surfing alone because I'm independent, but I'm not really advanced. I wasn't feeling comfortably by myself. So I just kept overpaying every single time I went to get an instructor. And that was literally because I just didn't want to go alone. Uh, and that's when, and my partner had a similar problem with rock climbing. So he's quite an advanced rock climber. And he was just looking for people to go climbing with after work or during the weekend. And even though Grand Canaria is this incredible place for rock climbing with fantastic routes, he actually, and he's Spanish. So he was looking both on kind of local websites and expat and, you know, digital nomad forums. And he couldn't actually find people who would want to do what he wanted to do and that's when we started thinking gosh there has to be a better way than you know trying to find people on a thousand different slack channels or a thousand different facebook groups and 
you know, kind of little WhatsApp groups for a specific nomad community. And that's how really Revity was born. So basically, me and him were tired of each other and we needed friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. <laughs> nomad couple traveling too long together. <laughs> you know, it was time to socialize. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's how I think the best ideas become an app or or a community or some kind of thing right by having that problem yourself and then solving it for everyone so that's also what i'm hearing that happened for you guys which is super cool because now we will never have that problem <laughs> hopefully so at the moment that you uh, started at ravity you were on grand canaria but how did you get there? Like, how did you become a digital nomad in the first place? Was that was that something that you always wanted to do and you really worked towards, or was are you more of like um, someone who just like kind of accidentally went into this digital nomad life in the pandemic? Or can you tell me more about that? Yeah, it was a mix of both, to be honest. So we were at the time both predominantly in London, and I have actually before worked abroad like four years five years before the Gran Canaria trip but that was teaching English abroad so that was very different and that was my first taste of oh gosh I really like this concept of being able to work from different places and discover different cultures and all of that and Adri my partner has worked before as a software engineer from the Philippines and kind of various other places after living in London for at the time that was four years we were both getting itchy feet and you know and for me especially i was at the time working at the law firm and i was enjoying what i was doing but i just didn't enjoy the lifestyle it was too rigid for me i couldn't do uh well any of my hobbies really because they are all connected to water sports or horse riding or you know stuff outdoors so we would spend three to four hours every single weekend driving out of London, which was just madness. And so when COVID hit, it in a way presented us with this opportunity to just pack up and go. And this is literally what we did. We Googled what country was on the green list. So UK had this green list and red list system where you could fly and then come back uh, without any restrictions. And Gran Canaria was one of the countries. And we said, okay, well, off we go then. And we packed up and went. And at the time I was still full time at my job, I was actually seconded to a kind of legal innovation incubator. So I was working with a number of early stage startups in legal innovation and helping them grow their own products. And that also meant it was a more flexible lifestyle in a way. Yeah, we spent a couple of months there and that was kind of it. And we both knew that, okay, well, we are never going back <laughs> yeah I think many people have you know had similar stories and so so in a way you know I, I would be lying if I said that I've always worked towards this but I think since that very first experience after you know just before uni when I was teaching English for a year and that was China knew that you know I will always want to actually work remotely and be a digital nomad and then since COVID, it was just kind of, okay, this is the path and let's just do this. Yeah, the perfect storm. And then it's like yeah. a push maybe to take advantage of the circumstances and, and, and actually do it. 
How did you actually do it? You mentioned that you you were still full-time employed, so you just packed up the laptop, went to Gran Canaria. Did you still have a flat or um, any housing in, in London that you kept, or did you also cancel that and like sold all the stuff and like that, that uh, like all in <laughs> digital nomad life from the start? Yeah, so I was lucky in a way because we were in a process of buying a flat in London, which we wanted to buy as an investment to rent. Um, and when COVID hit, this entire process just completely stopped. And what it also meant was that the current flat that we were renting, you know, that was tenancy agreement, so it ran out. So by the time we, I think it was like a couple of weeks in of being in the canneries, we were effectively homeless uh, in the UK. So it was perfect because we didn't need to pay the rent twice. Um, right. And that's kind of what, you know, what we ended up doing. And we ended up buying the flat in London, which we now rent, which is actually great because, you know, that's kind of a very passive, very pleasant income stream uh, on the side. So it's all kind of aligned. And, you know, I, I don't really have a very, yeah, it's quite an easy story, to be honest. <laughs> it all yeah. aligned. It was meant to be. <laughs> It was, it sounds like it was meant to be, but I mean, you still need to take action. Like you could always get a new flat in London and like not book the flights at Gran Canaria, of course. So like, I think still taking that step. I can imagine that when you, when you go to Gran Canaria and I mean, maybe you have big expectations of, okay, like this remote life, like going from London to Gran Canaria, like the beautiful weather, you know, the beautiful island. Uh, not in a big city, but like, uh, I don't know if you're in Las Palmas, it's a smaller city. Did it meet all your expectations or were there also things that you were like, hmm, this is not so great or not really what I expected? It was definitely not what we expected. So first of all, I didn't plan anything about it because it was also sudden. I mean, I literally just looked at the flights that were there and I picked the kind of cheapest, most convenient flight, and that was to Gran Canaria. So I didn't even know what it looks like. I, I knew they speak Spanish, and I knew I speak Spanish, and I like Spanish food, and I was like, great, <laughs> and I can do lots of stuff. You know, there was like, what is sports and mountains? Sounds like a perfect place to go, let's go. And I didn't even search for an apartment in Las Palmas because we wanted to make sure that we can do uh, what is sports. So we booked this really tiny apartment in Pozo, which is the tiniest of tiny towns in Gran Canaria. I mean, I think there's a grand total of maybe 10 or 15 expats there. And that was it. <laughs> I mean, my, my most vivid memory from that first month actually was, so as you said, we expected to have these, you know, beautiful... Uh, beach walks on Gran Canaria and you know sunsets and what we got was uh, you could actually walk on very desert like landscape in between uh, basically the wind farm <laughs> so, yeah those massive wind you know <laughs> windmills <laughs> and that was it that was like the key feature of the landscape and obviously the water so it was by, you know, it was definitely not the kind of beautiful, dreamlike, Instagrammable, remote work uh, setting. But a part of me really loved it for it. So I, 
you know, I always like visiting places where I can live like a local. I like making friends with, you know, the local grandma who's running a bakery and with the local guy who's doing, you know, some kind of bar and on the side he, I don't know, might be a mountain guide or whatever it is that he does. So I actually really enjoyed getting to know the local the local scene. And, and we haven't actually met that many people who are working remotely. We've only met them once we started looking for them actively. But in the beginning, it was all locals. So it was actually really nice. But And also, I guess to your question, what we found was very different was it was way less social than we thought it was going to be. I definitely thought that, you know, back when I was in China or when you know, I was in Southeast Asia um, doing some kind of like it, it was contracting work um, back in 2017 that was really social because I would stay in hostels and you know and, and it was just so easy to meet people and also I wasn't working full time it was very ad hoc so it didn't really interfere with my lifestyle and with the socializing at all but this time, because I was working full-time, both of us were, and we were in this really tiny place in Gran Canaria, it actually was quite lonely. We wouldn't, you know, we made friends with local people, in a way, but it's not really the same as, you know, being in a kind of nomad hub or a hostel or a co-working. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was very different. Um, and we did actually end up after, I think, a month and a half moving to Tenerife, to just explore different uh, Canarian islands. Was that also for that community aspect uh, to find out a little bit more? Yeah, it, it was to see how they are different and they were very different. T- Tenerife was very social, uh, I thought. There was a lot of people working from there and it was much easier to meet people. Is that also how you pick new places to go now? Um, I know now you're on Fuerteventura, right? Yeah. So yeah. yet another island. Um, how, yeah, how I, I love my one? Canaries in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand. I mean, I'm on Madeira, so we're not that far away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I definitely understand why. So um, do, why did you pick uh, Fresa Ventura this time? So for me, the primary factor is always what else can I do after work? So this is yeah, the, first I checked, okay, can I work from there? Does it have good Wi-Fi setup? And I kind of look at Airbnbs to figure out, okay, will they have a desk? You know, is it like workable? And the second question is, okay, once I'm done with work, what does my after work look like? And Fuerteventura for me is, you know, all about water sports again. So it's whether it's surfing or paddleboarding or kite surfing. This is what I do when I'm not in front of my laptop. And that's the main motivation, really. And also the fact that I know it is, you know, there's quite a nice local community here, uh, both of expats, nomads, tourists, although I think it's getting, I mean, there are older tourists, but most people kind of up until mid 40s tend to be expats and nomads, which is really nice because for instance, this morning we had, I guess, sunrise yoga on a beach and, you know, it's in English and you can meet local people, but also people who speak English. Mm-hmm. So it sounds a little bit good. like the perfect mix between everything yeah. that we've talked about so far. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 
So it's either access to activities or a kind of new culture or a completely new landscape I've never seen. So, for instance, I'm, I'm thinking of going to Azores um, next year uh, because it's just meant to be so beautiful and I want to see a lot of whales. <laughs> that sounds but, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, very cool. So, obviously, like being outdoors and doing a lot of things after work is really important for you. I mean, you build your whole app around it. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but also what I'm hearing you say is that when you pick a place to go, it's like, can I work there? But then also second question immediately, can I be outdoors and do all my hobbies or like some of my hobbies there? Why is it so important? I know that you know a lot about this more from like a scientific perspective. Also, why, why is being outdoors and having hobbies like this? Why is that so important? Stop me when I start gigging out too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, the simplest and, you know, most honest answer is it just makes me feel great. And not only, at you know, when I'm doing the sport. In fact, and I'm going to get back to it, sometimes when you're in the middle of doing an activity, you might actually not enjoy it. And this is really interesting. And I'll go back to what that means from kind of, brain perspective but what I found over the years is that doing you know the, the sports outside and I and I have actually noticed the difference between the outside and indoors is just really really beneficial to how I sleep the you know the quality of recovery that I've seen on myself my ability to focus so now, for instance, quite a lot of people talk about flow state and, you know, what can you do to, to access flow state, which is this very, a period of very intense focus and the ability to really uh, concentrate on, on a given task. And it, there are actually studies that show that you know, doing certain sports makes, for some people, act as a trigger to access flow state. And because you practice... Uh, that when doing the sport, it then becomes easier for you to to access that that state again when you work. Um, and for me, that what that means is that I can get more done in less time, and I have basically end up having a much better work-life balance. You know, it started from oh, this thing really makes me feel great, <laughs> and I was just enjoying sports. But what I've then noticed. Uh, with time and as you know I had various challenging situations in my personal life or health wise and I've really seen that having access to these to the sport outside really helps me you know mentally and physically uh, to just perform my best and and on the scientific level I think two weeks ago I went to this adventure mind conference which is all it's lit it's phenomenal it's it's a two-day event of people who completely geek out on you know what's the science behind the outdoors and and well-being and there's really you know incredible evidence showing that just doing adventurous activities so as adventurous we define anything that has an element of uncertainty maybe it's a bit outside of your comfort zone Maybe, you know, when you do it, at some point you feel a little bit scared or unsure whether you can do it. 
that doing those kind of things actually really helps us overcome anxiety, including, you know, with people who actually do suffer from clinical depression and really severe forms of anxiety. And it also help, it also gets our bodies used to the, the feeling of fear, for instance. And as you get used to it in a very friendly context of, let's say, learning how to paddleboard, where, you know, you might feel a bit scared, but it's nothing horrible in the end, and you know this is a very like safe environment, your body learns to accept that feeling and to work through it. So it subconsciously develops a coping mechanism that you then actually default to when something really bad happens in your life. So it's really, really interesting. And for instance, in people who do rock climbing, quite a lot of researchers have seen that those people actually develop the ability to well, resilience, the ability to continue despite, you know, repeated failure time and time again, because in the context of the sport, they've actually learned that it's okay, that it's, it's normal that you feel that you can't and that you feel that, you know, oh my God, you're absolutely panicking, but there are ways in which you can work through that feeling to then achieve whatever it is that you're working towards. And it's really interesting because our brain uses that lesson in a completely different context of, you know, work negotiation, relationship drama, anything it is that comes up uh, at different points in life. So, yeah, that's, you know, I, I started just being very interested in, in outdoors and adventure because I thought it was great and, it, and I enjoyed doing it. But the more I started reading about it, the more I realized that this is actually real and it, and yeah, and there are also very strong kind of evolutionary arguments for it, meaning you know we evolved to be outdoors and we we evolved as humans to to feel those kind of very um, strong feelings of you know fear, excitement, cold, hot. We we didn't really evolve to be in a very monotonous indoors environment. Our bodies don't really know how to deal with that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been not very long since we are like this. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. I'm also just thinking back of experiences that I had when I did something adventurous and how and if I can also relate that to like learnings that I had like in more general in life. And I think it makes me think of um, traveling and having a traveling lifestyle, um, a digital nomad life. It also has definitely certain uncertainty with it, building a business, starting a business. When the pandemic happened, I mean, I cannot say I was comfortable, but I was not freaking out. And a lot of yeah. other people were absolutely freaking out. And I was just like, oh, well, we'll see how it goes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and that's the exact mechanism. That's, you know, the, the familiarity of your brain with uncertainty. And we're feeling that, okay, we don't actually know where we are going next week. But that's okay. We will, yeah. we will see, you know. It's, it's going to be fine. Yeah. And for, for many people who grew up in a very controlled, very bubble-wrapped environment, things like the pandemic, the you know, kind of inundation with information and the constant 
changes in what's happening around them or to them are actually incredibly stressful and incredibly overwhelming and they don't know how to how to deal with it mm-hmm. there's a whole movement in the uk uh now to make outdoor education compulsory in schools to help kids develop that kind of ability to to deal with the unexpected to to learn that you know you fell from a tree or you bruised your ankle your knee and you, know, you fell face palmed into mud and it's it's okay you know it's, it might be yeah. painful and uncomfortable but it's okay and and actually what our brain learns through through play through that kind of play it then applies to to everything else so it's really interesting i mean personally for me uh when i learned rock climbing uh which i learned only because my partner was climbing and we basically did an exchange. So I, I, I told him he needs to learn kite surfing and he was like, okay, you will learn climbing. <laughs> and I was terrified of it. I've never been so scared of anything in my life. I had a really strong fear of heights and you know, I was hating it. I, I literally hated every single minute of it for the first couple of months when I was trying to learn it and really desperately trying to tell myself, no, no, this is great, Maya, you are enjoying it, even though you know, I was shaking and like, literally every single cell in my body was telling me, why are we doing this? <laughs> we did not evolve to climb, Maya. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, and in my day to day, I am a very kind of rational person. I, I was always capable of just justifying to myself something and just saying, okay, we get on with it, we do it, you know, no whining. And with rock climbing, I couldn't. And, and it wasn't until... In a way, I accepted the fear and I just leaned into that feeling, the feeling of, okay, maybe I am not actually strong enough to do everything. You know, maybe I actually will just do the easier routes and I will just chill out. <laughs> and and that really taught me the the kind of compassion to myself. And from the place of that compassion, I've actually turned the fear into excitement into thinking okay I will today do one move more next day I will do two moves more and at the end of it when I actually started really enjoying rock climbing and I got okay at it I emerged a completely different person both in terms of how confident I've become how much grace I would give myself if I couldn't do something and just the ability to to recognize that okay i am really scared you know like this is this feels overwhelming and i think for a lot of people who who become nomads you know most of us have this very strong independent personality you know a lot of us love freedom and a lot of us uh, i think say that you know oh i do things my way you know no one will tell me how to do things i am very capable and and it's a great mindset, but I think it's also a mindset that at at some point might mean that you just don't give yourself enough grace and compassion and and understanding. And then when you do come across challenge which is really big and you know maybe requires a slightly different approach, you might get blocked. And you know and and it ends up. I can't I can't remember the term now but there's this um psychological 
well, term, for when you effectively keep, you know, considering yourself as the person responsible for anything and everything. And, you know, you always keep expecting yourself to be capable of overcoming whatever comes your way. And this is a good thing in many ways, but it can also be a very bad thing because it can lead to, you know, constant inner critique, constant self-criticism. And I think sports in, in many ways teach us that, you know, you, you can't always do everything and it's, and it's okay. It's okay just to do something for, for the sake of enjoying it and not necessarily, you know, becoming a Red Bull athlete. Yes, yeah. It keeps you humble, I think, yeah. especially starting a new sport. It makes me think, your rock climbing story makes me think of my scuba diving story. Um, I just got my open water certification last week, and I know <laughs> that a lot of people have this. So I also went into it like, oh, everyone does this, you know, <laughs> quote unquote, everyone. And it was hard. Like, it was difficult for me. It was mentally so challenging. But then that feeling when I when I made it, right? When I did all the freaky little assignments that they make you do on the water and still survived. And now I'm like, yes, I did that. And I feel so much more comfortable on the water than the first time I dove. That feeling is also like, I would say priceless. Um, yeah. But Maya, what if someone is listening now and, and they're like, I don't naturally feel adventurous. I don't feel like, okay, yes, let's get super uncomfortable and climb rocks or go scuba diving. Do you think you can become adventurous? Well, yes, I do. And also, first of all, most of our listeners will be digital nomads. So I would dare every single one to prove that they are not adventurous because I can assure you that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as you said, adventure is starting your own business, changing your career, deciding to do what you want to do and not what everyone else told you to do. And in many ways, you know, setting out on a digital nomad lifestyle is more of an adventure than climbing a hill or some rock. But I do absolutely believe that you can, I wouldn't even say teach yourself to be adventurous, but rediscover this inner the craving that I think all humans actually have for exploring something new and for, for trying, for learning new things, for trying new things. And I would say start small, smart, start by, you know, taking a different route to your favorite co-working. Don't go the, the normal way, go extra five minutes to the left, you know, maybe join a new group to try something, I don't know, volley or skateboarding, something really small that you feel quite okay with, but which is just new. And to see where it takes you. And I, and I think, listen to yourself and try to notice what's different when, you've, you know, when you're trying that new activity. As you said with scuba diving, it's, I think learning something new shows things we didn't really, you know, we, we might have forgotten about ourselves. Uh, and I think that's a really beautiful feeling when you start getting that level of self-awareness. And and again, if you are a digital nomad, yeah, I think that you are quite already quite into exploring new things. So yeah, yeah, I think adventure yeah. is definitely there for you. 
Yeah, I'm hearing you say that there are many different ways to be adventurous, right? It doesn't have to be doing new sports or extreme sports or anything. Like you can be adventurous in so many different ways. I, and I think that's a really good point. I'll also share a little bit of my own like adventure story, if you will. So when I started traveling in 2018, I was adventurous. Like I was also like quite fit. So hiking and things like that was really fun. And like literally two weeks into my travels, I got really, really sick. So I got dengue fever and it completely knocked me out for, I don't know. I mean, I was in bed for a week, but then after that, I just lost my, all my fitness level was just completely gone. I could not do anything. And I also didn't really handle this in the right way. So instead of working towards getting that back, no, I just went to the bar and drank a lot of beer every day. Uh, So (laughs) would not recommend that. So hiking and things like that became really difficult, especially because mentally I was still this fit person who could just run up a hill and then physically I would die. Um, So I always got really disappointed with myself and my body for not doing the things I wanted it to do. And that was super discouraging. And then I also uh, fell in a hole in the street in Indonesia and, you know, like, I don't know, health stuff was horrible. Um, So all of this together, I did not feel adventurous for about three years, I think. And then lately now, I feel adventurous again. And I think what changed is that I slowly started to do new things again. Like I started traveling again. I started going on a walk in a new city. I started going on a small hike, right? And just all of that kind of got the momentum or whatever it is going again to do new things and more new things and more adventurous things and maybe yes an extreme sport or I don't know so I just wanted to share that maybe this is relatable that in the past you felt adventurous and now you feel I don't know at some point I thought maybe I'm just too old for this craft you know (laughs) (laughs) but I don't think I am I think uh, I think you can get it back or you can get it if you don't feel adventurous now so yeah I hope that that is helpful and also the tips that you shared Maya because I think that is actually what I did right so just take small yeah. steps like reflecting back I'm like yeah I think I think that really works yeah I think it's pretty it's pretty interesting that you would say oh you know I don't feel adventurous because I think that's the key to it right it's not we have this imagined definition of I am outdoorsy or I am adventurous. You know, this has nothing to do with the activity. It has everything to do with what we believe. You know, it's the same as saying I am attractive or not attractive. You know, that's different for literally anyone and everyone. And and I think that sometimes we well we we grew, we grow up in a society that always encourages focusing on the really big things on you know i went on this really long hike and it was horrible and i persevered or you know i built this career and it's super intense and i work 100 hours a week and and i'm so successful you know it's and i think once you take a step back and you think hold on this is not actually my definition of success or it's not my definition of adventure. It can become 
so much more rewarding. You know, for for me now, for instance, I really love going for a morning uh, sunrise swim, and there's always something new in that. You know, so it's I really learned to to appreciate the smaller things that I do and the, and to see the well, the beauty of them, really. You know, the the adventure in them, the the adventure of trying something something completely new, something I haven't tried before, speaking with a new type of person. Um, and I think that's adventure as well. And you know, we do need the big ones, but but I think that the smaller ones and the the kind of day to day ones actually teach you more. And and from the biological point of view actually going on a daily walk for 15 minutes each day gives you much more in terms of what it does to your brain, to your sleeping cycle, um, to your mental health than doing it once a week. So <laughs> so actually a daily 15-minute walk or just having your coffee outside is is much better than only doing one hike on Saturday and spending the rest of your week in front of your screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point, and it also makes it so much easier, right? Like, okay, yeah. we'll just we'll just all go for for a fifteen minute walk today. When you're listening, we'll go for a fifteen minute walk after this. <laughs> yeah, now we have to. <laughs> now we have to. This is your your message, your little push out the door. <laughs> this is it. Okay, Maya. As a last question, can you please share how people can find out more about Ravity and how they can use it? How they can use the community? Yeah, so uh, I would love to. Gravity is completely free. We've opened the doors uh, to anyone and everyone now. And uh, you can go to the, I think there's going to be a link somewhere yes. accessible, but it's gravityactive.com. The way to use it is you can see who else is around you working remotely and you can see what specific activities they are interested in doing. So whether someone is looking for a surfing buddy or someone to just go on walks or do yoga, and you can just then arrange to, to meet up. You can organize events in the app. So we are trying to avoid the situation where when you join a WhatsApp group, for instance, and you ask, hey, is anyone up for a walk? And then five other people post something and then your post is forever gone. <laughs> and you've gone through all this process of encouraging yourself to ask the question and then that's it. <laughs> no one will ever see it or respond to it. Um, so there is a separate section for events. There, is, there are separate kind of group forums. Uh, and we are also working on a way to, to help nomads who use the app say where they are going next. So, for instance, now some users are arranging uh, like a group trip to meet up in Finland for some hiking. Someone else is planning to go to Romania for a month and work from the mountains there. So, so that's what we do. And and for the future, well, hopefully by the time this episode is up, we will have a number of location hubs uh, as well. So, to we are we are going going both global but also allowing people to have these more more concentrated hubs uh, in places which are great for, for outdoors activities to, to find other nomads and to, to have those daily adventures. That's, you know, that, that's what I would really like it to do. I would just, my dream for Revity is to help as many people as I can feel that they 
didn't miss out on all the cool stuff they could be doing because they have this location independent lifestyle mm-hmm. yeah you know i i feel that we didn't quit the nine till five to be watching netflix after work at least not every day and and hopefully brevity helps people to to just do something different and to feel that wow what a life <laughs> every single yeah. day yes that sounds really cool so yeah like maya said the link is in the show notes so you can go there and check out the website download the app and uh, maya thank you so much for being on the podcast today it was really good to hear your digital nomad story and i'm so excited about the app i mean i think i'll be using it a lot uh, <laughs> going forward with my daily adventures so thank you for thank creating you so this much. and thank you for listening we'll see you in the next episode and that's it for today thank you so much for listening i appreciate it very very much i would appreciate it even more if you could leave a review on apple podcasts for me that way more people can find this podcast more people can hear the inspiring stories that we're sharing and the more people we can impact for the better so thank you so much if you are going to leave a review i really appreciate you And I will see you in the next episode.